Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. Good morning. My name is Sandy Tutwiler, and I'll be reading 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. But you must continue with the things you have learned and found convincing. You know who taught you. Since childhood, you have known the Holy Scriptures that help you to be wise in a way that leads to salvation through faith that is in Jesus Christ. Every scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for showing mistakes, for correcting, and for training character so that the person who belongs to God can be equipped to do everything that is good. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Sandy, thank you for reading the scripture for us today. You know, we, you could say that we live in the golden era of storytelling. Now, there's been different times in the past where there were different authors who were uh, putting out all these great works. And, uh, but, but, I mean, the access we have to stories is just incredible right now. Uh, remember things called bookstores? Yeah, uh, there aren't that many of them yet, but Barnes & Noble must be getting it right because they are expanding their footprint. People are buying books. Of course, digital books, e-books, you can get on anything. Good grief. All kinds of things you can access that way. They're still making blockbuster movies. Uh, and the, one of the things that we love, of course, right, are those super, superhero uh, movies that have, you know, it's, there's part one and there's part two and part three and part four. And then there's a prequel and then there's, you know, this whole story to it. But the thing that probably really captures us are the subscription streaming services, whether you're watching Stranger Things or Ted Lasso, right? And we, we even talk about how we binge watch it. We binge watch those things, and then sometimes you get to the end and you say, oh, let's watch that again. You do it again. We love stories. Well, the, what we're looking at in this uh, message series through this uh, time, these, these weeks, is looking at the story of the continuing effect of Easter. That, that Easter is not simply a day, but it transforms everything going forward. And so how do we live in that Easter moment throughout our life? So that Easter becomes a reality for all of us. So last week, uh, two weeks ago, sorry, we talked about it. This is not my house. Uh, that, you know, this, this is God's house. And it is to be about the, the experience of the resurrected Christ as we worship and as we serve and as we learn and all those things. Last week we talked about it's not about you, about orienting our lives around uh, God's purposes and not always our preferences. An important distinction to make. And so today we'll talk about the priority of the Bible. The Bible, uh, there are you know, a lot of things you can say about the Bible, a lot of ways you can describe the Bible, of course. But at its most basic form, the Bible is the story of God's salvation. It's the story of salvation that, that started when God created the intended reality in this wonderful garden where they had everything that they needed and there were humans there to take care of it. And then, of course, we humans tend to say, well, I don't like the way God does things. I'm going to do it my way. And so it broke the relationship which, which meant that God then needed to 
uh, intercede. God needed to take initiative to reach out to restore the people to the right relationship. So God did that. And then, and then people mess up again. We do this. And so then God ultimately, again, takes initiative and restore and, and saves the people. This, this is the story all the way through the Bible, time and time again. We Christians believe that, that with the, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, that opportunity for salvation is for all people and all time. That whatever, that whatever separates us from God, whatever separates us from others, whatever separates us from wholeness, God's salvation can lead us to a place of restoration. So someday we will again live in that place called the new heaven and the new earth, as it's described in Revelation, that there will be no more tears and no more sorrow. So it's the story of salvation. So let's, let's look at a definition of salvation. That, that word gets used uh, in Christian circles a lot. Um, so let's talk about, here's a definition that I found in the, the New Interpreter's Bible Dictionary. The most fundamental meaning of salvation in Scripture is God's deliverance of those in a situation of need which impedes their well-being, resulting in their restoration to wholeness. Wholeness, or well-being, is God's original intent for creation, and that which impedes wholeness are sin, evil, death, and all their forms. Both the deliverance of the needy, the person in need, and their restoration to well-being in relationship to God, others, and the world are crucial to salvation. So salvation is not just a moment. It's not just a one-time thing. It's a continuing reality. A, A great example in the Bible of this is the story of the Exodus, right? I mean, there's a whole book called Exodus. So the story of the Exodus, God saw that God's people were slaves in Egypt under an oppressive ruler, Pharaoh. And God thought, that's not my intention for my people. That's not what I want. So God initiates contact with Moses. Uh, The plagues happen. All those things happen. And then God's people are able to leave Egypt. Now, they made some of their own bad choices along the way, and they ended up needing to wander in the wilderness for a long time. But ultimately, the people were delivered into the promised land. They crossed the Jordan River into the land that would be their home. So it went from in need to restoration. Now, in that case, that took a lot of years to accomplish, didn't it? Not necessarily instantaneous, but it's the work of God to continually be working in that way. And God was with them in the, in the wilderness too, right? It's not that God abandoned them in that time. God was with them even then. So the Bible is the story of salvation told through centuries as experienced by God's people in a variety of situations. It's the story that invites us into salvation. It invites us into this salvation to live a life that is oriented around the worship of God and the service of others so that they can experience salvation somehow. That we become, in a sense, agents of salvation. We can't save people, but we can become God's agents of salvation. That is the story 
Paul is encouraging Timothy to preach. Paul is is near the end of his very life, actually, and he's handing over the reins of pastoral leadership to Timothy. And so he's teaching him and training him in this letter. Now, if we had read just a little, if I had Sandy read just a little bit further, we would have seen this in chapter 4. Paul tells him, preach the word. Be ready to do it whether it is convenient or inconvenient. Correct, confront, and encourage with patience and instruction. There will come a time when people will not tolerate sound teaching. They will collect teachers who say what they want to hear because they are self-centered. They will turn their back on the truth and turn to myths. That was written 2,000 years ago. I think it still applies. I mean, that's what you hear, you hear the terms uh, confirmation bias. This idea that you, you already know what you believe and you just look for the ways to say, yeah, see, I told you so, right? And you may not see anything else. It's that, it's that we get so locked in our perspective on something that we can't see outside of that perspective. And so when we hear another perspective about something, we're just like, well, no, that's not right. That's not good. That can't be true. And we don't even listen. At worst, we reject. That's not my perspective, so that's wrong, and I'm I'm just not going to talk to you people. We get too locked into those kinds of perspectives. So So if someone wants to use the Bible as a way to justify alienation from other people, then you miss the point of the Bible. If you use the Bible to uh, justify your hatred of other people, you miss the point of the Bible. If you use the Bible to uh, exert power over others, then you miss the point of the Bible. The Bible is not something to weaponize against others. But we do have different perspectives, right? I mean, we do have different understandings. We have different life experiences. We have different perspectives on a variety of things, um, just because of our own lived experience. I, I, had, a, I had an experience uh, when I was in seminary, actually. I, I went, uh, I, you know, grad students often don't have much money. So I went, when I went to the movies, I went to the Dollar Theater. Anybody remember Dollar Theaters? Oh, yeah, there's a few of us here. They, they were awesome, man. Uh, and so it wasn't the first-run movie, but if you just wait a little while, you go to pay only a dollar and go see a movie. So I went to see The Color Purple, which uh, is an excellent uh, movie book. Some of you may not be familiar with it. You, you ought to get familiar. It's a great, great story. It's the story of this woman who had been separated from her family uh, and, uh, and, and experienced incredible injustice and abuse in her life. And she longed to be reunited to her sister. So it was this 40-year saga of a black woman in the South in a very, very difficult time. So I go to see the movie. And when I get there, it's already pretty full. And I'm, I just take a seat way back in the back. And, and so as I sit there and I'm kind of looking around and I realize in this pretty full theater, there's about six people there who are white. Everybody else is black. I thought, well, I was fine with that, but I just was like, well, this will be interesting. So then during the movie, there were times that something would happen 
And my reaction was, oh, that's terrible. But people around me would laugh. And there were times it was the opposite. There were times I thought, oh, that's kind of humorous, but no one else is laughing. And it, and it just struck me how, because of different lived experiences, looking at the same story, we have different perspectives, different realities. And I can't say one is right and one is wrong. Different perspectives of the same story. So there will be people who have different perspectives of the salvation story in the Bible. Yes. So, uh, so a, a dose of uh, humility is always a good thing when you're talking about the Bible. So John Wesley is the founder of the Methodist movement, and he, was, he said uh, he gave the Scripture priority. The Bible has priority in uh, developing your faith uh, and guiding your life, developing your character, all those kinds of things. He once said he was a man of one book. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not that the only thing he read was the Bible. Uh, this, this was a guy who was in, among the scholars at Oxford University. He was, he was very smart and very well educated. And in those days, you received a very, very broad education. You learned about all kinds of things, not, not the narrow focus we do these days. Uh, and, and in his studies, one of his things, he, became, he was, uh, his best-selling book, 18th century England, was called The uh, Primitive Physic. It was a book about health. It was about physical health. Eat these things, don't eat those things. You should get some exercise, he said. Uh, you should not drink that, you should drink this. If your stomach hurts, try this. If your head hurts, try that. That was his best-selling book. He didn't say anything about God in that. He was a very, very well-educated man. But when it comes to ultimate importance, when it comes to those things that, well, I, I need a, an answer that surpasses anything else in this world, it's the Bible. It's the story in the Bible. So Paul is telling his uh, protege, Timothy, what, it's, what it looks like to utilize the Scripture in communicating God's message to the people. So he says several things that are really just kind of practical. Like when he said uh, that the, 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 every Scripture is inspired. I know some people use the word infallible. Scripture is inerrant. Um, and there's reasons for why people use those terms. Uh, my perspective has always been the Bible doesn't use those words at all. The Bible doesn't use those words. The Bible says it's inspired. The word, if you translate it more, most literally in English, would be God-breathed, right? Inspired, in spiritu. God-breathed. As, as God breathed life into those first humans, as God breathed life into those believers at, on the day of Pentecost, it is God-breathed. And it's useful. Not only is it divine, sacred, it's useful. It's practical. So he says it teaches, it corrects, it trains. Trains in character. So as you read the Bible and you read about um, the teachings about kindness, about generosity, oh, I, I need to do those more. Oh, I've been doing that wrong. I need to change that. It helps you develop to be the person God intends you to be. And it equips you for good works. Jesus said... Don't hide, you know, the, the uh, metaphor, don't hide your light under a bushel basket. But let all people see your light, see your good works. 
So that, do you remember what the so that was? So that they will give glory to God. By your good works, you are passing on the story of salvation to others. You become an agent in the process of salvation for somebody. And so he reminds Timothy to remember the people who taught you all this. Remember the ways that you learned this. He says, for Timothy, at least from your childhood. So there are people who have been invested in his life for a long time. It's been said that what kids learn is not so much what is taught, but what is caught. It's what they see lived out. And Timothy had that opportunity to see the Scripture lived out in the life of other people. So ultimately, salvation delivers us from a place of need to a place of restoration. Whatever that might be for you, because we all have different paths for this. So you might say the salvation of God's power to defeat death, that salvation is living a life of resurrection. That's the story of salvation in the Bible that equips and empowers us to live that life, that our life should reflect our salvation. There's a saying, um, you might have heard it before, that you are the only Bible that some people will ever read. That it, the story of salvation becomes your life as we go through life, and at times still need to be restored from a difficult place in life. We still need God's salvation. Lots of years ago now, I was visiting with a church member in a different church, small town, rural Texas, and um, they lived right across the street from the church. And uh, her husband was a doctor, they had several kids, and so one day I just commented about, well, you live right across the street from the church, I mean, we all have to, you know, you could take attendance for us. You know, you could you know, let us know anything going on. And I said, I said what, how, what's that like living right across the street from the church? And she said, well, let me tell you my story. She was raised in the Midwest and uh, uh, kind of a rather large family. She had several siblings. Uh, but also in her family where she grew up, they, they didn't have much money. Um, and so all the kids ended up wearing hand-me-downs along the way. And if, if you're under about 30, you probably don't know what those are. Uh, you can you can ask somebody what a hand me down is, but they would that's how and and so you never got anything new. It was just kind of whatever got handed down to you, and that's and so uh, so somewhere along the way she decided she wanted to go to church because there was a church like a block away, and so uh, her parents one day literally walked her down to the church. She was third grade, walked her down to the church and said she'd like to go to Sunday school in church, and they warmly welcomed her, and the parents went back home. After that, she would walk to church by herself every Sunday. She loved the church. So she'd go to this third grade class, and, and, and it was coming time uh, toward Easter. And her family gave her something they had never done before. They gave her a new pair of shoes to wear to church on Easter. All the other kids would be having new clothes, and they, they bought her a new pair of shoes. Now, she was thrilled, but it was they were they were white to fit with Easter, but they were white sneakers. They didn't have the luxury of buying a dip, you know dress shoes, you know uh, casual shoes. They, it was you get a new pair of shoes, so they were white sneakers. And she when she walked to church that day, she just felt a foot taller. She was so happy, 
and went, uh, went in there and got into the third grade class where the teacher was a woman that she said was just the epitome of class. You know, just this sophisticated woman who did everything right. She looked absolutely perfect. Her shoes and her handbag matched. That she, you know, and she'd never heard a bad word from her. She'd never seen a bad attitude. She was a sweet woman, and she said, but she was almost so perfect, you couldn't imagine her washing dishes, you know, or doing the laundry. You couldn't even imagine that, because just everything about her was just right. So, on Easter Sunday, one of the girls started making fun of her shoes, because those are not church shoes, those are sneakers. And so the little girl decided she'd go over and step on her top of her shoes. I thought it was funny. Step on her shoes and mess them up, get them dirty. So another girl saw it and thought that's funny, so she did it too. And then another girl saw it, and so they were trying to step on top of her white shoes to, to dirty them. Well, the teacher saw it and stopped it as fast as she could. But the damage was done, and not just to the shoes. So that teacher... Susan said, went over to a cabinet and got a cloth, got it wet in a sink, and came over to her and got on her knees and cleaned her shoes. And when she told me that, she just said, that's why I go to church. It was a story of salvation. That she saw the scripture lived out right in front of her. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.